Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks. Expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe. Expect to command the stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence. And lastly, expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life. Now, let's get to the show. everyone to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I am your host, Julian Hayes II, back at it again with another fascinating human on the first one, the first chiropractor to join the show. So I'm very excited to get into that. And she's going to be very different. I I most definitely guarantee it. But a little bit about her. She is known in some circles as the Miracle Doc. She is blending 21st century tech with a holistic perspective. She's on a quest for us to find health and happiness. She loves working with children. And most importantly, she will also be best friends with all of our grandmothers. So <laughs> I'm here with none other than Dr. Alex Mosley. How are you doing? I'm so good. What an intro. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I like to be just random. And I, I liked that your website, you had all these fun facts about yourself. So it wasn't just a list of degrees or a list of accomplishments. Cause I, I too did that from my website where I shared a few things and it offers a little insight into who you are as a person and not just these titles. Yeah. And it, and it's, I totally agree. And it's fun to hear what resonates with you, what you picked up to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's because I, I guess I picked out children and your grandmother because that's, that's humanity. And right. And just look, going through your website and everything, I kind of got that you are just a very people person and very, I'm sure you are one of those people who are very just warm with even strangers and you make them feel at home. That's what they tell me. That's yeah. the goal. So you remind <laughs> me of, you remind me of a friend. That's also why I picked that on. It's like, oh, she reminds me of my other friend here. So cool. So the, the next question is the first question is. The book club. So, what's the inspiration for the book club? And I like the name also, Books and Bubbly. So it has a very nice ring to it. Yes. Um, well, similar to how when you and I were chatting a little bit earlier, you love just talking to fascinating people. And really, what I noticed um, in practice was we take good care of ourselves. Um, you know, or we, we try to take good care of ourselves. I think everybody's doing the best that they can with the information that they have. Um, but I was really noticing a need for community outside of meeting, meeting your kids 
parent, like your kid's friend's parents or your, your social circle that you're always around or just having to meet for certain things um, and needing to have community outside of that, just to meet, to work on your health or meet like-minded people who are trying to do the same things as you're trying to do in terms of where you're wanting to go or what you're working on or what you're interested in. And so the book club got created and um, really was just out of, out of the need for that for, and it's women only um, right now, but just out of the need for women specifically to come together in a place where you're kind of out of your friend circle. You're not going to be judged for what you say. You're in a, you know, kind of like what happens here stays here sort of thing. And so the books that we choose, um, they're more in like a self-help genre or like a memoir genre. They tend to be nonfiction only because reading the book is not required. (laughs) So there's the, there's the bubbly aspect, um, where you, we come space to come together, um, reading the books, not required, but we touch on concepts that are more like life concepts. And mm-hmm. so everybody gets the opportunity to share and fellowship, um, around their favorite caffeinate, not caffeinated carbonated drink, um, whether that's alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Um, but it's just a good time for for women to meet each other outside of their immediate circles and talk about topics that that they're interested in or, or what they're trying to do with their life. What's been one of the more surprising benefits and things that you've noticed from people who have went to the book club? I love I love bringing people together. So my my practice, there's not a traditional waiting room. It's what I call the living room. And it looks like a living room you'd have in your house. And so that's where the book club is held. And it's super fun for me to, to start something, but then watching the community become the community and, and the women take it over and they start facilitating or they start hanging out outside of the book club or they're like, Hey, group of us are going to get to dinner. You know, they call themselves bubblers and things like that. Like, I think that's been the coolest thing is watching new friendships form, um, that have the foundation of I'm trying to do this new healthy thing. Can you help me? Can you keep me accountable? Or, Hey, I see that you, you actually went through this other really intense emotional thing. And I haven't really been able to talk to anybody about it, but can we meet for coffee? You know, that, that I think that sort of thing has been the most rewarding to see is people actively working on their health because of something they, a random book club, you know, where reading the book is not required that they went to once or twice. Yeah. It's amazing what can happen when you bring strangers together with a common interest, especially where they don't think there may be that meeting common interest. And you just find out little things probably about each other and like, wow, you know, I'm not alone. And I think that's very important, you know, during the times we live in now where I think a lot of people are feeling more and more isolated and, and it, things are a little more divisive. So it's great to hear those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. I think you nailed it on the head, like having, having a central theme, you know, whether we're reading Brene Brown or, um, some sort of memoir, we read a memoir from a Saturday night live, um, cast member a couple months ago. And so it was kind of funny. Um, but having just those central themes of what it is they're going through, it always sparks up the most amazing conversations and people get really vulnerable. I think because you're, you're not around your immediate friend circle. So you're not scared necessarily of 
if you're going to be judged or, and then watching other people, like the members who've been there prior, watching them be vulnerable gives you permission to also do that. Absolutely. And so to dive into a little bit to your origin story here, were you always interested in health? How did you exactly stumble upon becoming a chiropractor? Yeah. Always interested in health. Yes. Um, always wanted to be a doctor since I can remember that was always, always my thing. And then I, I went to Baylor university it was my junior year of college. I wanted to be an OBGYN. So that's what I was studying to do. And, um, I had never heard the word chiropractor. I had never been to a chiropractor. Nobody in my family had, um, we just grew up very traditional Western medicine, so to speak. And, um, the farther I got into pursuing what it was like to be a medical doctor, more just resistance I felt against, against it. The more it just became very apparent, the deeper I got into it, the more I was like, I cannot do this. Um, and I think that's partly, partly because I knew I wanted, I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to have to go to school for 12 more years. I didn't want to have to do, um, I, I'm not a very cutthroat competitive person in that way. So like the more that became apparent, the more that kind of pushed me back. Cause I'm very competitive with myself, but I don't have that competitive nature to like go beat somebody at all costs. Yeah. You're not, you're not a gunner. That's what we call them. So, um, you know, we're, we're kind of, for listeners out there, we, we were kind of just meeting right now. Um, we talked a little bit before we hit record. So, um, so I actually did a year of medical school and then I left. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's definitely gunners and I don't think I'm a full gunner, but I am a low key. I was a little low key, like competitive in, in that. And it is a very doggy dog world. It is. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely, I guess I should put some context to it. I can be competitive. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like the low key com competitor, like I'll, I will hustle somebody and lead by example, you know, and mm -hmm. just, uh, but it also doesn't bring out like the best side in me. <laughs> I guess I yeah. should. I, I have a little, like some people can get really get lost in the competition where, they can lose some of their ethics and values and principles. So I, I can at least hold myself there and not let myself cross the line. And I think that's the thing that gets some people in trouble then is when they start crossing the lines and stuff. Yeah. Cause those lines get blurry when you want something so bad. Absolutely. You know, like you start justifying actions and behaviors uh, in order to serve your purpose. Right. Exactly. Uh, so when we think about chiropractors, we typically think about, I'm going to go visit the chiropractor and they're just going to work on a specific area, but that may also benefit different areas of the body. Now yours is a little different because you're an upper cervical chiropractor where you're just focusing on the top two bones in the neck. So how did you decide on just these two areas? Is there something like important that Maybe a lot of us don't know about those two areas. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, I, it really kind of started. So I have this, I, I wanted to be a medical doctor because I have this need. I love evidence-based practice. I love analytics and data and really figuring out what, like getting to the root cause of an issue, what's going on. Why, why is this symptom showing up or why is this behavior showing up? Um, all those sorts of things. And so uh, but I also have this side to me that's very holistic and very, um, you know, conscious of 
everything's connected. The nervous system does not work in a vacuum. So if you are trying to affect one organ system, it's going to inherently affect all the others because that's just how your body works. And so knowing those two things, the way I practice now, this upper, upper cervical specific chiropractic work, um, really unifies those two things. So I get to use, um, technology and practice that is for the objectivity. So I can actually measure what I'm doing in real time, see if, if what I'm doing is working, um, and then working with those top two bones, because they have a very unique relationship with the brain stem, which is the bridge between the brain and the entire Whenever we go into what I call chronic survival mode, which is really just a sympathetic, the sympathetic part of your nervous system, that fight or flight part, mm-hmm. ever we go into a chronic survival mode or we're constantly stuck in fight or flight and our body is no longer adapting the way that it's supposed to, all of that's housed in the brainstem. So I, so I assumed then, you know, for a lot of listeners out there who are probably pretty busy type A little individuals most likely we're going to be a little unbalanced and we're going to heavily skew toward that sympathetic, that flight or flight. And, and so I guess by sounds like it focusing a lot on the C1 and C2 here, that can, is that going to gradually help us, I guess, shift into a little more of a homeostasis? Yeah, that's a great way of thinking about it. I always say that like the recipe, the secret sauce to, to like, happy, healthy life, longevity, feeling good for a long time is the ability to adapt in between that fight or flight and that rest and digest. And so we just, we, we need fight or flight because our, we need that stress response. Stress is how we continue to get stronger. It makes us stronger. We can't live without stress. And so we need this, we need this fight or flight part of our body. Cause that's our biggest adaptation to it. We get into trouble when we can no longer get out of that. And so the daily practices busy entrepreneurs have in order to help support their body and making sure they're getting out of that fight or flight. And so we keep that adaptability between the two systems because they're designed to kind of dance with one another. Um, that's where the magic happens. And I saw something that you talked about, if I remember correctly, is medical misfits. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, I, I got that and, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that a lot of times people go to typical providers of, for various ailments. And if it's not something that's by the textbook, then it's usually, oh, there's nothing we could do about it. And my thing is, so what type of people generally come to you? Yeah. Medical misfits, medical rejects. Those are my people. Um, it's, and that's, that's who it is, but really they are these people who, um, they feel like they've tried everything and they have, they've tried a lot of things and either it's the, the, you know, traditional medical paradigm that's telling them, Hey, well, maybe try this one, try this drug, or we'll just have to do this sort of thing. You're going to have to manage this for the rest of your life, you know, or they've bopped around to lots of different alternative healthcare and they've gotten some, some results, just therapeutic results. Maybe they're temporary, not long lasting. Um, and they really have yet to find the answer as to why they're feeling the way that they're feeling, especially if they've done testing and their test relatively normal, looks relatively normal or their, their MRIs or their CT scans or whatever the case look relatively normal. And they just don't have a lot of answers, but they still have a lot of problems. 
those are your medical misfits or your medical rejects where the root cause of the issue most likely underlies in the nervous system and that lack of integrity there. Now, is there typically a lot of times with these people, since it's something that's not by the textbook or typical standard protocol that, you know, the, the providers are used to is things like trauma. Does that like play a role of any sorts? And if it does, then like, do you have to like probe them to get this, to figure that out? Or do they just kind of intuitively tell you that about trauma? Such a good question. Um, yes, 100% yes. And I like to say trauma with a big T or trauma with a small T. And so we have trauma with a big T, which can be everything from a very obvious, I was rear-ended in a car accident and got a concussion, you know, and life looks very different before and after. Um, but trauma with a little T, it could be my, you know, my, I was, I was sexually, I was a kid. I don't remember it, but or my parents divorced and it was really bad when I was 11 or I was bullied in school and, and then I got my period for the first time and I've had debilitating cramps and um, they're irregular ever since I can remember and I've got all these hormonal issues like so we can have all this trauma with a little t and I think they do sometimes they're forthcoming sometimes not but when I'm taking on a patient and identifying if it's a good fit or not um, part of what I do is, is really build a stress timeline is what I call it. And what I'm looking for are those traumas, um, which are all just different types of stress. And I think, I don't think most people realize that the, the nervous system's entire role and responsibility is to adapt stress all types. And it doesn't necessarily discern one type of stress from another. So a physical stress can be the exact same as an emotional stress or the exact same as a chemical environmental stress, you know, what we put on and into our bodies, what we're exposed to. Mm -hmm. So whenever I tell people that it's like, so, so what in your, what's in your timeline? Right. And then they start thinking, they're like, oh, well, I had a really bad divorce or a really bad breakup, or I was exposed. I lived in a house with mold and, you know, nobody can figure out what's wrong, but I've got all this weird pain and brain fog and stuff like that. Um, so whenever we're talking in this lens of stress and what has happened to you and how has your body adapted to it, then all of that stuff starts coming more to the forefront of people's minds. Now, is different types of stress going to manifest itself in different parts of the body? And I guess does gender play a role? So for instance, for I guess for a lot of entrepreneurs starting a business, those first few years, it's always stressful, but especially getting something off the ground, super stressful, right? So I imagine that's, is that a form of trauma in itself? Can that be? Absolutely. Especially, especially if, if we're operating on in fight or flight, we're already in fight or flight. And so our threshold for dealing with stress is just a little bit lower than typical. So let's say we're opening a business and we're super stressed. So we're operating in that fight or flight kind of all the time, um, but we're doing okay. And then maybe we get sick or maybe um, our spouse loses a job, or maybe our kids can no longer go to in person. Now they have to do virtual school and I have to figure that out. And so we dump this extra bucket of stress on top of the stress we're already managing. And that'll catapult us into that sympathetic dominance or that chronic survival mode mode. And uh, will, will that show up differently for each of us? Just depending is that 
would that show up differently to each of us, like different areas? So some people, it seems like if things start going a little haywire for me, it tends to show up in my gut and things like acid mm-hmm. reflux. I tend to tend to get that a lot. Whereas sometimes you hear other people, they get headaches. And do you think there's a reason for that? Or is that just, you know, our bodies are just different? For sure. Our bodies are just different. Everybody's super unique. Like that's one thing I've definitely learned in doing this work. Um, but I do know it will always manifest. It will always come out sideways, whether it's probably the most common are going to be sleep issues. Um, whether we start, we start having insomnia or we start snoring or have sleep apnea, something like that. Um, fatigue, you know, energy levels, um, which usually interplays with hormones too. So something hormonal, so sleep some with hormones, the gut or pain, whether that's in our body or in our head, meaning literally headache, not like your pains in your head, mm-hmm. <laughs> but usually it takes, it takes, a, it manifests in those types of ways, just different for each individual person. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm pulling up, I had a, I took a screenshot cause I, I liked a few of your things that you wrote on your Instagram. And especially there was this thing about healing and what we think healing looks like and what healing actually is. And you had the healing is a process that's always in process, which, you know, and this is a life metaphor. This is a business metaphor. This is a metaphor that can expand across multiple dimensions. And quite honestly, something I don't like to hear, but it's true, but it's truthful because, and one of the things that you mentioned was healing actually looks like one of the things, one of the first things on here that I, that stuck out to me was it takes more time than you think. So how do you go about setting expectations with clients who are in this pain, who are dealing with these things and they want it done and taken away as quick as possible. And they don't want to like the prescription sometimes seems like the quick, the quick fix to just alleviating it when we really know that it's not the root cause of it though. Usually when people are ready for the healing, they're ready to, for, to get to the root of it. So they're tired of the quick fixes and they're in, that's what I call the sweet spot where they've tried enough things and they know those things aren't the, the actual solution for what it is they're trying to get. And usually what they're trying to get is not out of pain. Usually it is, I am not the best mom anymore, or I am about to get fired. Like I'm missing too many days of work and I have to figure out, you know, how to, how to do this, or I'm looking at having to take disability or, uh, you know, just I'm angry all the time. Like though, all those sorts of things, cause, cause chronic health issues turn you into a different person. And so your life can very easily just snowball out of control to the point where you're like, how did I even get here? And so it's those people in that kind of sweet spot where they, they know it's not going to be overnight. The fix is not going to be overnight because it didn't take overnight to get them to the place that they are. And so they're willing to have the right practitioners in place, the right team in place, and they're willing to do their own work. Um, and they know that that's, it's not necessarily going to be a quick fix, but life will look very different once they've gone through that healing journey, once they're in process. Yeah. And I'm curious because uh, on a lot of your material and your philosophy, even as we're talking now, it's becoming very apparent to me that, that you, you go very deep, you know, and where did that come from? Because a lot of times in this, with the science-based people, we tend to just rely heavily on the science and the, the data, the numbers. But then I notice a lot of times when you talk about healing, you're also mentioning 
rewiring the way that we think about things, our belief systems, unlearning these deeply ingrained patterns that has maybe for a lot of us unconsciously driven us. So was this something personally that you had to learn and that's why you, you use this stuff with clients now or were you just interested in it? Uh, both for sure. Definitely something personal. I default to the extreme workaholic. We talked about being competitive, Mm -hmm. wanting to succeed, really defining my, my value in success. And the reason why it's so important now, I'm so passionate about it now in practice. And it's, it's, it, like you said, it really is the main health philosophy of how I go about helping somebody. Um, while utilizing all of the other, you know, evidence-backed strategies is because if we really want to help somebody create change in their life, it has to start with their worldview, how they think about themselves and how they think about others. And, And the more I learn about, because neuroplasticity and trauma-informed care, it's such, it's a deep subject. And the more I learn about it and the more I dive into it, the more I realize these are the the way we have these chronic health issues and, and how they get rooted in the nervous system. They get hardwired into our brain, right? Our brain, it has soft, it has hardware in the sense that we are all high, hardwired the same, right? But then it has software too, where we download these programs. Um, sometimes they are generational. Sometimes they are just things we heard from a teacher or from a parent or things that we should have heard from a parent, but never did, you know? And so we start it starts coming out. It comes out sideways. It always comes out sideways. Um, whether that's with really intense mental health issues, um, or it's with physical issues, um, it's, it's going to come out. And so it's so important to, to address both because we're not just a body. We, we have a nervous system, but we kind of are a nervous system, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so to speak, because that's what creates our entire reality. And so needing to address physical health in a way that incorporates not only the mind, but also that spiritual aspect. And that's really what, what it is, is making sure the mind and body are connected, but it has to be in a way that addresses that those kind of intangible aspects of what's your purpose? Why are you here? Are you happy? Those sorts of questions. Absolutely. And is there a difference? I'm just curious now, is there a difference between men and women and who's, and it sounds like men may be harder to buy in. Is that or are they coming to you and they're already like, I've already tried enough. So I'm just open and willing to do whatever it takes. No, you would be, you're totally right. Men, okay. Cause I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking of myself yeah. so, as well. So I just know myself. <laughs> it's harder for men to come in because it takes a level of vulnerability that I think is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with, I'm a, you know, a, a woman, like, especially with me. So most men, a lot of times stuff shows up, like I said, hormonally and women's hormones are very different than men's hormones and they affect very different things and very different physiological processes and, and stuff just shows up different. And men generally have different stress points than women do. They can be very different. And so I always just encourage, encourage people, you, first and foremost, you have to find a health practitioner that you resonate with, because that's the most important thing, finding somebody that is going to help guide you to the right place. And there's lots of different ways to get to an end result, right? So, so making sure you are comfortable with the person you're going to be doing this with, I think is of the, you know, utmost importance. What's one of the more common struggles that that you've noticed from, from all your, your patients and clients? 
usually, so usually there's like, there's a driver, right. In terms of why somebody would come in. Um, commonly it's pain. That's probably the most common people do not like to be in physical pain. Um, but with that, well, I should say, and, and with that anxiety is always there. That's kind of like a comorbidity with any sort of chronic health issue. We've got some sort of mental component going on, whether that's anxiety or depression or funny little neuroses. Um, and so anxiety is probably one of the most common I see people come in with amongst, and if we've got a chronic health issue, we've probably got a sleep issue too. So sleep seems to be a main, a a pretty big driver Mm -hmm. with with everyone. Yeah. Sleep because your body does all of its healing while you're sleeping. And if your Mm -hmm. body's not healing, then your, your sleep's being disturbed. It's kind of, they kind of go hand in hand. And then on top of that, anxiety is, is chronic fight or flight. Like that, that's what that is. And so it takes very little to have the body go into panic when it's already feels like it's in panic. Now, if, if we're tight, I'm thinking in, in the C1 and C2, is our posture going to be different as well? So, so I guess actually, let me rephrase this. What are some signs of, I guess, this dysfunction, if that's what you would call it, this, would it be like a CNS dysfunction? Yeah. Yeah. Like a CNS dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some, I guess, what are some indicators? Indicators would be, um, kind of what we're talking about right now. So like some sort of chronic health issue that you just can't seem to fix. Um, whether that's sleep, gut, hormonal pain, anxiety, mental health, all those sorts of things. Um, that is probably the biggest, the biggest one. If we've got any of those things, we've probably got something going on within the nervous system because it your body's not reorganizing itself in the way that it needs to in order for you to be healthy stress. If stress makes the symptom worse. Mm -hmm. So if let's say, let's say you've got some sleep issues, but it's not too bad, you know, it's kind of on and off. It's not enough to bother you, but then anytime you get stressed out, you're not sleeping. Um, that's a telltale sign that there's a nervous system issue or you get super stressed and we have IBS symptoms like, you know, just, or crazy diarrhea or constipation or whatever the case, that's a sign that there's a, there's a fight or flight issue at play, that there's a CNS dysfunction at play. Because if, if we add stress onto an already stressed out system, then it's going to inflame those symptoms that we're experiencing. So if stress makes it worse, then we've probably got an issue going on. What fatigue play a part I guess is say someone's hypothetically they're resting they're, they're sleeping they're I guess they're getting say they're getting seven to eight hours but they still just feel just drained and, and fatigued and it's a struggle to get through the day or they're having to rely on caffeine still is that is that a issue with the CNS or do you think that might be something else uh it could be it could be other things it could be a CNS issue mm-hmm. it could also be hormonal from other things too. But if there's, if there's zero, zero reason as to why, if all of your blood work looks normal and you're getting enough sleep, then, then I would check the quality of the sleep. I wonder if how the quality is doing. I love like the, I, I wear a whoop. Um, but like the, yes, <laughs> I love it. Um, for those exact reasons, because they tell us about the quality, not just the quantity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times 
you know, people feel like they're getting enough sleep, but it's kind of about the quality of sleep are you getting um, as well as the quantity. So, so checking that um, I'm a huge gene. Um, so what our routines look like, what our sleep environment looks like, all of that. We think just because we're adults, we don't need routines and that's totally false. Um, so all of those, those could all be components to, you know, why, why your energy is lacking during the day. But definitely if, if you're feeling, you know, if you have a giant energy burst in the evening and you're super tired in the morning and the first thing you do is drink coffee before you do anything else. Um, yeah, we've probably got some <laughs> going on there. Yeah, okay. So let's say that maybe we do feel like we have some of these things. What are some ways that we can start supporting and nourishing this nervous system to more homeostasis where it's functioning like it should and being able to seesaw properly between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. What are, how, how would you advise us to get started? Let's see. The, the first thing I would advise is to slow down. <laughs> um, Cause I think most entrepreneurs, at least, you know, my, my circles and, um, the ones that I know we are go, 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 go. Like on you're doing, we're all doing so many things. Um, and whenever we're completely reactionary all the time, that's a recipe for that constant fight or flight spike. Um, so slowing down and scheduling that if we have to, where, where you're scheduling intentional time to not rush, <laughs> um, and to just, in, I call it intentional rest, um, where we're not, we're also not like busy reading a book. Like we're just taking 20 minutes out of our day to just kind of lay down and think or sleep or whatever, whatever we need to do. Um, but that can be really helpful just adding that in the day. And then I'm sure you're familiar with your vagus nerve, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that vagus nerve, 10th cranial nerve, it's like the biggest player in your parasympathetic, which is that rest and digest nervous system. So exercises, there's lots of things you can do that supports that, whether it's humming or gargling water, you can do that while you're intentionally resting. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. 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 Um, I like to put on my like song and just dance for two or three minutes. Like mm -hmm. I would be super embarrassed if anybody saw me cause I'm just like ecstatically moving my body, but it's, it's getting that energy out and that can actually be really efficient in, in supporting your, your nervous system. Um, grounding. So like walking outside barefoot, going and getting just in sunlight, um, bonus points. If you take off your shoes and you're connecting with nature that's really supportive. Um, so it's, it's more of these just slow, slower things where we're taking time out of our day, um, that we probably would write off cause we think they're hokey or we think they don't actually do anything. Mm -hmm. They actually do a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes of doing nothing seems so simple, but oh my goodness, is, is it hard? <laughs> it's the is hardest it hard? thing. Is it hard? Yes, it is. And you know, one thing that's helped me, and I don't nearly do it enough, and this is just reminding me, is to go to the float tank. Floating, floating really helps me. And I, yes. I don't I don't do it enough because obviously it's a 90-minute commitment. Well, probably like a two-hour commitment because I have to drive and everything, but still floating really helps me. 
because you're just laying there and your mind is so like the first maybe 10 or so minutes you get in there, your mind is going all over the place. And then after a while, you just stop thinking about nothing. And I just think about the feeling when I come out of there, just how clear I am. Yes. I love float tanks. You go into that state with those brain waves where you're not quite sure if you're thinking or. Mm-hmm. Cause I no, thought, it's yeah. Done. yeah, I thought I was, I thought I was like hallucinating at some point. So I was like, am I hallucinating? Like, I, I don't, the lines are getting blurry now of like, cause I'm starting to like see things and everything, but I like it. So that's definitely, you know, listeners out there, if you haven't tried that, definitely look into a float tank session. Actually, I would probably say maybe two or three just to, because the first one might feel, it might be a little weird for most of it. Yeah. I've started doing this personally in my own practice, but I've started scheduling a couple days, like just once a quarter, um, a couple days, just once a quarter where I take off and they're just devoted to my own wellness. Mm-hmm. And so things like float tanks are so fun. Um, cryotherapy is also great or, or taking a cold shower. Um, that's super cheap and easy. You just have to do it, which it's not fun. <laughs> um, but, but you could do it or you could go get cryotherapy. Um, there's so many like infrared sauna places popping up, um, changing your body temperature. Like that can be really beneficial to help that adaptability in your body. And before I forget, I have to ask them. What's the song that you dance to? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I don't know why, but I had a feeling you were going to ask me that. Yeah. The one my go-to, and it has been for like a, over a year, um, is that Higher Love, Whitney Houston, Kygo remix. <laughs> Never heard of that. I'll, I'm, I'm going to write it really? down. No, I haven't. Oh, that song comes right. on. You bet. I'm, it's a, it's a, yeah, that's my jam right now for like for a while. And so that's the one, that's my go-to I've anchored to it, you know, and everything. So when I hear it, I'm like, okay, okay. Okay. I never heard of it, but I I wrote it down. So I will have to check it out and just to listen. Okay. So, and um, another thing that I'm before I forget to ask is um, what do you think is something about the field uh, from uh, chiropractors that, one of the biggest misnomers that the, that the public has of, of, of this whole industry and field. Is, is that it's just for joint pain, low back pain. Um, I think that's probably the biggest uh, disservice people, you know, chiropractors have done that too. They put, they put the message out, Hey, you have low back pain, come see us. We'll help. And inherently your, your spine protects your nervous system. It protects every single nerve you have. And so that relationship is there, no matter where you go in the spine, I just, I focus on the top two bones of the neck because that's where the brainstem is. And that's, that's the the biggest impact we can make to your entire body. Um, So I like, I wanted to get really, really, really good at just that. But regardless, it's, it's handling your spine in a way that is going to help your nervous system. Chiropractors, if anybody needed to know you would chiropractor, it's definitely for more than just pain. It's for overall adaptability and well-being. 
Yeah, I know we I know we touched on it a little bit, some of your personal wellness habits, but what are some more of your um kind of like what do you personally do to to stay optimized and because I know you, you got the business, you got clients still, and then you got personal life as well. So what are some of your your musts that you have in your life? I think the biggest the biggest thing was and COVID actually, <laughs> the pandemic actually kind of forced me to do this because um, it slowed everything down. Everything just had had to slow down. And so it really forced me to look at how I was going and the way I was practicing and in a, in a whole different way. And so it allowed me to put some boundaries in place in terms of taking care of myself and taking that intentional rest or taking those days for myself um, cause you know, when you're taking care of people and you're super passionate about it, it's, it's very easy to not practice what you preach, right. Or Absolutely. to walk your talk. And so it allowed me to do that. And so now my biggest goal is to protect those boundaries that I got to create when everything was slow. And it's been really, really nice seeing the fruit of that, so to speak, because, cause it's there. I, I wake up and I'm not in a, in a rush. And when I say in a rush, sometimes I'm just rushing to rush. Like I'm just being busy to be busy. Um, it's a hard thing to break. It's, it's a such hard. a hard break. Yeah, exactly. And, and even now, like I, I think putting those boundaries in place has helped me be more self-aware of when I'm, when I can feel my body going into that, because that's something that caused chronic health issues for me was just this feeling of, and that's a lot of anxiety where a lot of it, that anxiety feeling comes from too. It's just constantly feeling like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to go here. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Oh no, I need to do this. And you're, you're not really rushing for any reason, except it's like going in your head. Yeah. And you can almost feel guilty for not moving fast enough for not, you know, having your whole schedule just jam packed and color coded and every 30 minutes is accounted for. You can feel guilty for those kind of things. So it's a very interesting thing. It's yeah. <laughs> like, like how people feel. I know for me growing up, the word lazy was mm-hmm. thrown out like the biggest insult ever. Yeah. And so you could never be lazy. And so I know that that's affected me for, <laughs> I don't, in so many ways. And sorry. Plane. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I I'm surprised the dog beside me has not made an appearance yet oh, okay. and start barking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know how that's affected me and and that software in my brain. You know, kind of those programs that are running on autopilot that are not mm-hmm. helpful for a healthy, sustainable life. And so, really working to unlearn that that it's not lazy to rest or take a couple days off for myself to recharge, so I can continue to go help people at a very high level. That's not lazy. That's actually smart. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's kind of like training. You wouldn't necessarily, if you were training for a marathon, you wouldn't necessarily just run 20 miles every day. You, you, you would stagger, you would have dedicated rest times because during that rest is how you get stronger. So it's very ironic how a lot of us as entrepreneurs and don't follow that same advice, but we do it with our training in other areas, but we don't do it with work where we think we can just work 24 seven and stay on and not, never have any periods of rest to get stronger. I love that. Yeah. You said, yeah, with the periods of rest are when you get stronger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that nails it on the head. That right there is why rest is so important. And all of your healing happens during rest and during sleep. And so if we're not getting good sleep, 
And, and that's an issue. That's a big issue. And we think we only need, oh, I've got five hours, five, six hours. I'm good. And the data, the studies will show you that is not enough. We're not operating on enough. No, it's and, not. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. I tried to. No, I tried to, I tried to get by, I tried to get by on six, but I was like, no, I'm going to have to bump this up. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. What did you see? Did you see any differences? I mean, I do. I mean, some nights is still like six and a half, but six and a half is okay. It really depends on my training and how intense I train over the previous few days. And then um, if I train, if it's maybe like a, just a lifting workout, then I can, I don't need as much sleep, but if I'm, if I have like a intense running session or something, then I, I definitely have to rest. And then, cause I learned the hard way on that when I was doing two a days that, um, I, I, I really need to bump up my sleep. I mean, it's common knowledge obviously, but I kind of think I'm, you know, immune to taking my own advice at times. So I, um, I noticed that I started to, I wasn't like I was sore and I don't get sore. So it's a very strange feeling for me to, to feel sore, just to feel slow. Like, why is this run? This run is really hard. Like, mm. did I get slower overnight or did I gain an extra 20 pounds? Because my feet are not moving as fast. Yeah. And those, those were kind of some of the things that I was noticing when I was running that this just feels harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as an athlete, you're so fine tuned to notice those things. Mm-hmm. Average american so to speak we're not that mindful and so we don't tend to notice it until they get really really pronounced and oftentimes that can be like irritability or just you know your your body's not metabolizing the way that it used to or yeah we're we have this general joint achiness we're like where did this come from it's like yeah yeah cumulative sleep deficit (laughs) so you know one of the last things i'm going to ask here is that um you know we're coming up closer to the end of the year now. And what are some things that you are, have you started thinking about the next year and kind of some, some things that you're thinking about? So what's on the horizon for you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, well, I'm uh, pregnant right now and I'm due December 20th. Okay. So about to be a new mom, which is probably taking the bulk of my <laughs> of my, my mind right now in terms of what 2022 is going to look like. Um, but it's, it's going to be super exciting. Like I said, my, my husband's an entrepreneur as well. So fortunately our flexible, our our schedules get to be, we get to kind of create our life the way that, that Mm -hmm. we want it to look, um, which is going to be great. And so I have a lot more virtual stuff on planned, um, in terms of how people can go online, take, take a course from me, um, and start this nervous system support started at home because there's so much you can do yourself. Um, sometimes we do need guided work with a health practitioner, but there is still so much you can do. And, and it's the small moments that really create the trajectory of a life. And most of that is 100% on your own. And so giving people the opportunity to, to learn themselves, um, so that they can do that. Um, me and a few of my colleagues are creating what we call the stress less society, uh, which isn't necessarily stressing less. It's just learning how to adapt to stress better, incorporate a lot of what we've talked about today. Um, and then I'm still just taking one-on-one clients too. So, yeah. So sounds like you'd be a little bit busy. Just a little, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. But you have a great Christmas present on the way. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to think about it. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great Christmas present. So, um, where can our listeners keep up with you at? Uh, probably the easiest way is social social media. Um, the specific ATX is okay. my handle on Instagram. Uh, Dr. Alex Mosley is my personal one, but I'm much more active in terms of information and posting things re- relating to CNS dysfunction on on my business one. Okay. And I will have that in the show notes. And this has been an awesome conversation. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And for listeners out there, stay awesome, be limitless. And as always, go be superhuman. Peace. Peace.